With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Well, hello there, everybody. It is Tuesday, July 5th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. Shortly thereafter, you can find the show on the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone had a great long weekend, especially in the U.S., with 4th of July happening yesterday. Hope you all enjoyed UFC 276 on Saturday. The International Fight Week experience was just crazy. Got out there Tuesday. We had the media day Wednesday. We had press conference for the event on Thursday. We had the Hall of Fame on Thursday. Then Friday, we had day one of Radio Row, which is a lot of fun at the UFC X Fan Expo. There was the UFC 278 press conference with Usman and Leon Edwards. Ceremonial weigh-ins. And it was just a whole bunch of craziness, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, Saturday, we had Radio Road Day 2 at the Fight Week Expo, UFC X, which was even crazier than the first day. And then Saturday, we had the fight card. It was just wild. It was just a wild event. And I'm finally back in South Carolina after two, basically a two-day travel. I don't have much of a voice. I'm exhausted. We, we survived the first trip to Vegas, and UFC 276 had some storylines, some very good, some not so good. Of course, the main events, we had Israel Adesanya defend his title successfully against Jared Cannonier. This was a one-sided fight. It was just dominated by Adesanya. You could use that term however you'd like. This wasn't a... Adesanya did a whole bunch of exciting things. This was Adesanya going out there and winning a fight, which is the job. 
That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go out and win the fight. And he's been taking a little bit of a beating for this. Now, I have been... I'm not defending Adesanya per se, but I don't understand the backlash of all of this. Like I get from a promotional standpoint, you hear a guy who says, I'm going to do something spectacular. I'm going to go out there and do something the world has never seen. And when you hear that, you're like, Ooh, what is this guy going to do? And what he did was he went out there and just did what he does best out points, out strikes and just out classes Jared Cannonier for 25 minutes. This was a one-sided fight. And in the world of prize fighting, that is the game. You go out there, you win. You don't take any damage. You get the, the winner's money. You keep the title. That's what it's all about. And he's just getting crushed for this. He's getting crushed for it. And I get where you're, where a lot of people are coming from. Sometimes it's, you know, if it happens once, sure. If it happens twice, fine. But if we do this on a regular basis, now he's being painted with the quote-unquote boring brush. And I I get where fans are coming from, but at the same time, this is this is fighting. It's about winning. You're not going to do anything out of, outside of your comfort zone. And I also want to say, if you're going to blame Adesanya, you have to give at least half the blame to Cannoneer. Cannoneer went in there, and I thought he was going to be much more competitive. I thought he actually had a had a style create some problems for Adesanya, especially the fact that when he wants to, he can make things real ugly and real dirty in there. He didn't do that. He tried to have a point kickboxing fight with Israel Adesanya, which I'm sure even Izzy didn't expect. I'm sure Izzy expected Cannonier to just go after him full board and try to make this an ugly fight, and he didn't. So. Izzy's sitting there watching this guy come after him and have a mid-range kickboxing match. What's he supposed to do? Just be like, nah, I'll give, I'll, I'll do what Cannonier was supposed to do, and I'll make this ugly. He's just like, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna do this? You're gonna do this? That's like, that's like Steph Curry dribbling up the floor, and whoever's guarding him just takes like ten steps back, and he's like, you, you, you're just gonna let me shoot this three? You're just gonna let me have this? Okay. What do you expect Steph to do? Do a triple Lindy into a slam dunk when he has a wide open three? Steph's going to shoot that three all the time. And if you're going to give Izzy a mid-range kickboxing match, he's going to take that every single time. So I don't blame Adesanya for this. If he's taking what he is given, is it the most aesthetically pleasing thing in the world? No. But you have to give Cannoneer the blame as well. You can't just sit there and be like, is a boring fighter. No. He needs... He needs somebody who's actually going to like challenge him a little bit. And he's not getting that. Nobody's giving this guy anything. But he might have a challenge this next time around because Alex Pajeda did his job, viciously knocks out Sean Strickland. And I think he's going to bring some fire to Adesanya. I think he's going to at least try. I don't think Pajeda is going to sit there and have just sort of a mid-rangey point kickboxing fight with, with Adesanya. And I know... Pajeda has won a couple of those in the past. But Pajeda is going to make this thing a little more interesting. He's going he's gonna to bring a little more sizzle to the stake. He's going to try to make Izzy uncomfortable, which none of his opponents have tried to do. A lot of the guys who are going in there, in there and fighting Adesanya are just happy to not get knocked out, happy to go five rounds. And 
I don't think Pajeda is going to be happy to just get in there and go five rounds without Asadi. So the point of all this is you can be like, ugh, another Adesanya fight. That wasn't great. But to flat out just come out and say Adesanya is boring but not place any blame on Cannoneer, I think that's wrong. I think Cannoneer deserves, in my opinion, I think Cannoneer deserves almost all of the blame for how that fight went. And I like Jared Cannoneer a lot. He's a, he's a nice guy. But if if we're going to blame Adesanya, I, I give like 80% of the blame to Cannoneer. Because no one expected Jared to fight like that. Come on. like the, There's no blueprint really to beat Adesanya, but I mean, you have to you have to make him uncomfortable. But Cannoneer's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to out-kickbox you, Izzy. What a terrible game plan. Horrendous. Really, really bad. There's no chance. Like, you're not going to get knocked out. You're not going to get hurt, but you're not going to win. Like, that, that's the perfect game plan to just go 25 minutes without Asanya and just not get knocked out. That is not a, we're going to go in there and try to win the title performance. That's what happens in these fights. If you don't go in there and try to take that belt from Adesanya, you're just going to get picked apart. And then Adesanya gets blamed for it? I, it, It's just silly. It's okay to call something boring, but it's also okay to... You can't just blame Adesanya for that. That's really the point on my rant. Let's get into this thing. I know you guys have a lot to talk about. There's a lot of other things that happened at UFC 276. We had a multiple retirements. The Sean O'Malley, Pedro Munoz, eye poke story continues to unfold. Let's go. James McDonald, you're up. Kick us off. Heck of a morning to you, Mike. What's up, buddy? Well, firstly, I just want to thank you for all the hard work you put in. Uh, I think I speak for everyone when I say that it was absolutely spectacular, everything you did out there in Vegas. Uh, the interviews, just well done. Thank you, my friend. Um, I wanted to ask you, do you think that they gave Dana White the easy way out with this uh, potential Volk Oliveira matchup. Cause you know, it seems like he doesn't want to put Makachev in that title fight yet. Do you think he was giving an easy out for that by, you know, Volk stating that he wants to go up and fight? Cause it seems like that, you know, he said if Volk wants to go up, he can do whatever he wants. So basically I don't see him. If Volk wants to do that, I don't see him giving Makachev the title fight before Volk, but am I wrong? That is a great question. I listen, go back to on to the next one after UFC 273, the Jacksonville card. And I said, that should be the fight. Volkanovsky versus Oliver, because we weren't really sure about what's going on with Makachev and all this stuff. And, and, I don't know. I honestly have no idea what the UFC is going to do with that situation. It seems like it's Oliveira versus Makachev. They want to do it in October in Abu Dhabi. But I've said this many times. If I'm Oliveira, I'm not taking that fight at all. I am not fighting in Abu Dhabi. I'll fight Makachev. That's fine. But we're doing it on my terms. I know he's not officially the champion, but in a lot of people's eyes, he's being viewed as he's the champion. And what's the worst that can happen? What, what, what's the UFC going to do? If he said, if Oliver just says, no, nah, I'm not going to Abu Dhabi to fight Makachev, they're just going to be like, okay, we'll show you. We'll just put Makachev in a vacant title fight with Benil Dariush in Abu Dhabi. And what's Oliver going to say? Okay, fine. I'll just go fight the winner, not in Abu Dhabi. But the UFC could also just 
change course and be like, fine, we'll just do Oliveira versus Volkanovski. Because if I'm Volkanovski, there's not much at 45 that excites me right now. And I know we, we, we spent the beginning of the show talking about Adesanya and the reaction to that and some of the other things that happened. But I'll say it again. I said it right after the card. Alexander Volkanovsky is the best fighter on planet Earth right now. It is not Kamara Usman. It's not Adesanya. It's not Francis Ngannou. It is Alexander Volkanovsky. He is the best pound-for-pound fighter on the planet right now. Could UFC 278 come around and Usman could maybe move forward and take that spot? Okay, maybe. But Volkanovsky is the best fighter in the world. No one, nobody has ever done that to Max Holloway. Nobody. Not 145 pounds. He shut him out. A 50 to 45. Not for one millisecond was that fight in doubt for Volkanovsky against a guy like Max Holloway. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. That would be like Usman doing that to Covington. And guess what? He didn't do that to Covington in either fight. That Both those fights were incredibly competitive. Who knows? Maybe they book him a third time and it's not that much. But I thought Volkanovsky clearly won the first fight. There's no controversy whatsoever. I thought he won all I thought he won at least four rounds of the first fight. Second fight was close. Again, I've scored it for Volkanovsky every single time. And then his story about Usada waking him up, knocking him, knocking on his door the day before that fight while there was in Abu Dhabi is so ridiculous. And I don't I believe him. I completely believe him. Why would he make that up? He won the fight. And he's been saying, like, I wasn't there. I didn't show up. I didn't show out. And then he goes up and shows out shows out on Saturday. That was unbelievable. So if the UFC decides that Makachev takes a back seat here, is anyone going to complain? Is anyone going to, besides Makachev and maybe Habib and Ali, is anyone going to complain if the UFC moves forward with Oliveira versus Volkanovsky for the vacant lightweight title? The answer is no. No one's going to complain because that is a super interesting fight. I want to see it. And there's really not much for Volkanovsky right now. I mean, look, he can fight Josh Emmett, but I think after listening to what Uriah Faber had to say on Sunday after the grappling event, I think we know where the UFC sort of sees Josh Emmett in this conversation. And then on the same token, Yair Rodriguez is fighting Brian Ortega July 16th. If Yair goes out there and does his thing, sure, you can do Volkanovsky-Yair. But if I'm the UFC, let's just... Let's just take the chance and see what happens. Let's throw Volkanovski in there with Oliveira, do the vacant title. Why not? Volkanovski wants to defend both titles, and I think he can. But I love that fight. Volkanovski's the best fighter in the world. Let's go to Mayonnaise face McFlanagan. What What's up, up buddy? Mike? How you doing? I'm all right. You know, just missing meetings. Um, I want to... <laughs> let you know that I could not escape your voice this weekend. I feel like everywhere I turned on, like you were talking, like the press conference, maybe not there, but the all the media day, I just heard your voice everywhere. So congratulations on a big weekend. Uh, question. Thanks, yeah, man. Of course, question for you. Um, what was like the most interesting little side conversation, little uh, celebrity spotting or something like that that happened this weekend that was kind of just like, pretty cool for you personally since i know you you haven't been out since the jacksonville card let me know mike thanks 
Thanks, man. Yeah, it's a, a lot happened. I talked to a lot of people. It was very cool. I feel like, like I literally am sick of my own voice. I'm especially before the card where I did like the three plus hour stream of the expo and the radio row and everything. I was just like, I can't speak anymore. I literally have nothing left to say. I'm just tired of hearing myself talk. And then obviously at the post fight scrums and everything, I spoke a little bit more. What was the coolest moment? Like the, the one that always like that just stands out is the fact they're like, Oh, who did you interview? And I ran off a bunch of names and then like I interviewed carrot top of all people, which I thought was kind of cool and kind of interesting. Uh, I think like the, and I hate like talking about myself in that way, in this way, but coolest things that happened was I'm, I'm, I'm taking, I leave radio row on Saturday. And I realize, Oh crap. Like I got to get to the arena before this event starts. I put on my dapper suit, hop in an Uber, drive over to the arena, and I get out of the car, and I'm walking up, and all of a sudden I hear, hey, Mike Heck, and it's Action Bronson, just like pointing me out. And I was like, you're saying me, my name? No, 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 you're, you're Action freaking Bronson. I say your name, son. So that was kind of a cool moment, but yeah, it was just, it was just a, a whirlwind of a week. It seemed like I was there for 20 minutes, but I was there for almost an entire week and it was a it was a great week i enjoyed it and i hope i hope i get to go back to international fight week every year because we could do especially the radio row stuff we could do such big things with that i'm so fired up to see what we could do with that next year brent what's up make sure you unmute my man there we go can you hear me mike Okay, yes, awesome. Uh, just a great job in Vegas this week. Crazy that you – this was your Thank first you. trip to Vegas. That's awesome. Uh, my question today is about body types in MMA. We saw, like, a pretty huge contrast between, like, a Jalen Turner-type body and then between Volk, of course. Um, with his incredible fight IQ, do you think Volk would be even better if he were, quote, unquote, longer – or is his body type part of why he's so good? And that's my question. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. I actually, Volkanovsky has found this. I don't know what he's doing with the strength and conditioning, but whatever he's doing, it's working. Because go back and just look at Volkanovsky's frame and just what he looked like before the first two max fights. And then, just look at what he looked like body type wise heading into Saturday. I mean, it's night and day just leaned out just in tremendous shape. Just whatever he's been doing on it from a strength and conditioning level has been spot on. And I wouldn't change a thing. Now, if he's going to go up to 50, cause he's a big 45, I'm sure he cuts a good amount of weight to get to 45. He's a, he's a big dude for a 45. I don't think he has to change very much to be successful at 55. Now he could be a little bit longer at some point, but I I don't know. I, I think that what's, that's just what makes him so effective. That just so stout and powerful for a guy that size, just such, such an athlete. The way he can move in and out. It's the thing about him is it's not even the body type. It's just his mind. The way he sees things coming. Like John Anik says it perfectly. When Volkanovski's like he's like it's like what Tom Brady was in the mid to late two thousands. 
he just sees the game so much slower than everybody else. Everyone's seeing this fast-paced thing where everyone's running around at a million miles an hour. And Brady's just like, to him, it's just all in slow motion. He sees everything coming a mile away. And that's how Volkanovsky is when he fights. Holloway, the pace he put out on Saturday would overwhelm a lot of people. Pretty much everybody. But Volkanovsky saw everything coming and just avoided all of it. Just sensational stuff. That's why I he's, I think he's the best fighter in the world. And this is not Reese Bias. I said this the whole time coming into this fight. Volkanovski beats Holloway anyway in any sort of conviction. If we ended Saturday night, he won 48-47. Let's just say it was a 2-2 going into the fifth round. Volkanovski clearly wins the fifth round. And we're like, okay, Volkanovski won. In my eyes, he's still the best fighter in the world. He would be the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. But he did that on Saturday. He did that on Saturday against that guy. 50-45, the best fighter in the world. Clearest values, you are up. How you doing, Mike Heck? Good, how are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you for a great week of coverage. Um, I had kind of an easier question for you. Is Alex Pajara like as terrifying in person, like seeing him up close as he looks? That is a huge person, and he looks menacing. Like w- all these guys are obviously huge and and massive, but Alex Pajara, there's just something about like the size and the way that he carries himself that I think Izzy's going to have a problem. I'm worried. Yeah, he's a he is a pretty terrifying human being. Seems like he doesn't show a lot of emotion. Like most, he's got that sort of. Uh, how can I compare this? This is like just a weird compare. Just like the emotion of it all, he's got. He's like Drago from Rocky Four in a lot of ways. That Ivan Drago just, if he dies, he dies mentality. There's no happiness. There's no sadness. It's just, he's just him. Like, he's the kind of guy that if he goes out to breakfast and he orders a coffee and you put, like, the wrong type of flavoring in there, he's not even going to say anything. He's just going to look at you. He's going to turn his head slowly and look at you with that look, that menacing look, and you're just going to be like, oh, I made a mistake. I'll go get you what you want, sir. And then he'll just go and get him what he wants. I love the fight. I can't wait to see it. And, and the whole thing about the winning of the press conference thing, this is why I said pretty much most of the week, the winner of that press conference, even though he got verbally posterized, if you will, people are saying he got 10-7 by Sean Strickland. Is he might have gotten 10-7 in that moment, if you want to say that. Maybe he didn't look all that great and Strickland out-verbalized him for a minute. But all of a sudden, he was also smart enough to realize, sit back, buddy, sit back. Let these guys say what they want because you know what? No matter what happens on Saturday, all I have to do is beat Jared Cannonier, and my next fight is going to be ginormous. And I'm going to make a ton of money. Either I'm going to fight this Alex Bejeda guy who I have history with, and it's going to be a big fight, or I'm going to fight this Sean Strickland guy who's just talking all this shit, and I get to give him his comeuppance. Either way, Adesanya was going to make a ton of money just beating Jared Cannonier. And that was another thing where, when I'm talking, like when people are sitting there just dumping on this performance, like all he had to do was win on Saturday night. The story of Adesanya was not about 
fighting Jared Cannonier. It was about just beating Jared Cannonier. And the story is what's to come. Because either the Alex Pajeda or the Sean Strickland fight's coming, and those are massive fights for him. So to him, the, the long-term Israel Adesanya business, Jared Cannonier was just a was just a bus stop, really. We're not at the destination. Destination is the next fight. But and Adesanya, I'm sure, is happy that Cannonier and his team, this is the game plan. This is the style they went with. Let's have a kickboxing match with Israel Adesanya. I'm sure Izzy's like, okay. Thank you. Appreciate that. Let's go to Tajik Bay. What's up, buddy? Hello, Mike. Uh, how are you? Good. How are you? Hey, doing good. You know, it's a heck of a morning here. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, good times. Uh, yeah, g- great coverage from UFC 276. You know, just wanted to share some of my thoughts with regards to how card uh, has went. Um, I think the key to uh, take take away from me when I look into like uh, Alex Pejera is is kind of like the shift in the strategy in terms of matchmaking that UFC uh, is doing right now, where they take a fighter from the um, from other markets, uh, other prominent markets outside of the UFC sphere, uh, you, uh, and basically put them on the fast track to. Uh, fast track to the championship, right? Al- Alex Pejera is one of them. The other example that we've seen recently uh, is uh, Yuri Prochaska, right? That you, you get two fights at the high level, then you get the title shot and you win the title. I think the trajectory for Alex Pejera is kind of similar and we're probably going to see in the future uh, UFC kind of putting some chips into getting this high level guys prominent outside of the UFC and putting them on the fast track because... That way, it's also easier to control, uh, I think, their narrative, their development, and then you don't have to deal with the liabilities of, of having a very, uh, a, you know, fighter who is well-developed in the social media, who can dictate his terms, uh, like, let's say, like Conor McGregor or Sean O'Malley. Um, overall, a great, uh, a great night of fights. I think uh, you said it correctly that uh, some of the great... Uh, uh, veterans have retired, but I think it was also a night where the young contenders have emerged. Uh, uh, very promising guys in Macy Barber, Andre Muniz, uh, uh, Drikas Duplessis, uh, Ian Machado, uh, Jalen Turner especially. So I think it was the night of the of the young uh, this young breed of uh, UFC fighter emerging into uh, into the stardom, which I thought was great. So yeah, overall great night, and uh, I uh, one thing to end with. I think I agree with you on Alex Volkanovski getting a title shot. I think it makes a lot of uh, sense at the moment. Uh, he's at the pinnacle of his career. Uh, the title is up for grasp, and I think uh, it's normal that uh, Makhachev uh, waits maybe for a little bit before he gets the title shot. Uh, why not? I mean, Makhachev if Volkanovski if Volkanovski wins, I think is a great matchup in itself. And yeah, and uh, I'm still celebrating a great uh, parlay that I have hit, uh, which where I predicted 10 fights correctly. So uh, uh, I'm going to put it in the jumbotron there. <laughs> but yeah, a great follow. I hope to see you someday in our spaces as well, Mike. Uh, thanks again. Thank you, Tajik Bay. Uh, nice job. Wow. It's a hell of a parlay. Well done. Let me look at this real quick. Barber, Muniz, Duplessis, Gary Miller, Munoz. Voided that one. Barbarina, Pereira, Volkanovski, Israel. 
Damn. Nicely done. It's a nice parlay. Well done. Yeah, it's, there was, def it was there was definitely a changing of the guard at, at 276. Sorority retires. Jessica I retires. And then we see Macy Barber get her moment. We see Ian Gary looked fantastic in his fight. Um, yeah, it was just it was just a, a night of everything. That's what these International Fight Week cards should be. We should have multiple storylines to talk about the past, the present, and the future. That's what it's all about. We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet. Up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Australian talk. Then we'll get Rel, then we'll get Fab. We'll try to get through as many as we can or as long as my voice lasts. Are you there, Australian talk? Yeah, good day, Mike. Thanks a lot, mate. Um, missed you on the last one, but caught you on this one, so quite happy, mate. Uh, Alex Volkanovsky, we'll talk about him for a minute, but I guess the first question I'll ask you, mate, what if he was five foot ten? If he was five foot ten, um, just think of the potential matchups. Now, I'd love to see him go up against Chandler because Chandler's short as well, and um, Chandler looks massive at one hundred and fifty-five. He's fully jacked, and I think Volk can look just as jacked as Chandler. And both of those guys bouncing around opposite each other. That looks like a real fight. Uh, do, do you think Chandler has too much power for him at 155? 
or is that the wrong question? Interesting. Thank you, Australian Talk. Uh, I'm picking Volkanovski. I, I I understand the question, but to like Volkanovski looks bigger. Volkanovski is bigger than he looks. Like he looks a lot of these guys. Like even like Adrian Yanez is a bantamweight. He's a he's, he's a bantamweight. And he looks like he's just like this little tiny person. But then you actually see him in person, you realize like. He's not as tiny. He's not that tiny at all. And that's how a lot of these fighters are. And if they matched up Volkanovski versus Michael Chandler, and I have all the respect of the world for Michael Chandler, Volkanovski is a minus three. Would comfortably pick him to beat Michael Chandler. Could, could he get hit? Could Chandler land one of those big shots? Sure. But Volkanovski has proven that he's got a chin. He could take a big shot. And I just don't see a world unless Chandler just catches him with something chaotic and out of nowhere. I just don't see a world where Volkanovsky loses a round in that fight. And this is not me being me being disrespectful like Chandler. This is me just pointing out how good Volkanovsky actually is. I think he could do very well at 155. Maybe put out a little bit of size, but Volk's got the right idea right now. Listen, I'll fight for the 55 title and if I win, I will just go back and forth and defend both belts. And Volk's been pretty active. And that's one of the things that if, if Volkanovsky has any complaints about his career at all, it's that he doesn't fight all the time. He's been active lately and I think he's going to stay active. And I think that's really what he wants more than anything. He just wants to keep going, keep fighting, turn him around every three or four months. Now he does have a hand injury right now. He broke his hand in the second round on Saturday. Who knows how long he'll be out for. I would say, yeah, might miss two months before he's cleared again, but I think I think it's a safe bet we'll see him by the end of the year at some point. It's still it's three fights. Three fights in a year for a champion. You don't see a lot of champions defending their title three times in a year. So heal up. Heal up, Alexander. Very interested to see where you go from here. Rel, you're up. Good morning, Mike. How you doing? Heck of a morning. How you doing, Mike? It is a heck of a morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I just want to first, I just want to say hey, thank you for the coverage of the weekend. You did a great job. It was it was all like the lead up. You 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 added to the to the you made the card even like that much more anticipating. Like, so thank you for that. I Thanks, just want to I just want to say Volk performance was great. Volk's performance was great. Uh, two things. What are they doing with the 155 title? Because I heard that they there's a Makachev Darius fight that they might make for it because Oliveira's trying to fight Connor. And then if Volk does move up, I don't is Volk great? Yes. I don't know. If he like think about a fight with Poirier. Think about a fight with Ola if if he fight Oliveira, like I don't know if the Volk is great, but I don't know if he just beats these dudes like this is i think 155 a little different than 145 and i don't i don't know if he beats them like vote versus makachev i favor makachev or Oliveira. like i favor Oliveira, even though i think he's great have a good morning thanks buddy i would i would favor Oliveira and makachev against volkanovsky as well because we don't know 
he hasn't fought at 55 in the UFC. So we don't know what it would look like. We don't know how he'd match up. Like those two guys I would favor against Volkanovsky right now. Makachev, yes. Oliveira, yes. Poirier wouldn't favor over Volkanovsky right now in a fight. Why people would pick Poirier to beat Volkanovsky, but I wouldn't pick Poirier to beat Volk. The reason is Volk is just the pace that man can put on, the way he can make you work. I would assume he would probably try to mix in some takedowns and stuff like that. We've seen Poirier fade in fights. Volkanovsky's not going to fade against any of these guys. Oliveira doesn't really fade. We haven't seen Makachev really fade at all. Poirier can fade. Poirier can fade. That cut to 55 gets to him. There's no doubt about it. So I, I think Volkanovski, I'd pick Volkanovski against Dustin. And again, this is not me. This is not just saying Dustin's bad. This is just the greatness of Volkanovski. Oliveira and Makachev are just ridiculous. <laughs> those two, those two are ridiculous. So, but I don't know what's going to happen with this title. I have no idea. The UFC could certainly, they could do whatever they want here. They could do Makachev Oliveira. They could do Makachev Dariush. They could do Oliveira Connor. They could do Oliveira Volkanovsky. They could do a, a, so many different things here, and it's okay. It's it's going to turn into a debate. How could they? Sh- how could they have done? How should they have done this once it actually comes out? But there's no wrong answer here because all of these guys are going to get chances. If they go, if they don't do Oliveira Makachev and they do Oliveira Volkanovsky, is that the end of the world? No. I know Makachev's going to be pissed and Makachev fans are going to be pissed and Habib's going to be mad. I get it. But if they go that route, Makachev fights the winner. He'll still get his chance. Or Makachev fights Dariush. Winner of that fight gets the title shot. Because here's the thing. Makachev could be the best lightweight in the world. He very well could be. But he hasn't fought a top five guy yet. He hasn't. His best win is Dan Hooker. Makachev's best win is Dan Hooker. And Dan's a, Dan's a good fighter. But when we're talking about title fights and we have to get this guy in here, this guy needs a title shot. This guy has to have a title shot. Dariush's resume is as good as Makachev's, if not better. So there's no wrong answer here. Connor being in there is kind of a wrong answer. But I understand why Connor would be in there because he's the biggest star in the history of the sport. And Connor fighting anybody is a million plus pay per view buys. Like literally anybody. Literally anybody. So we'll see what happens. And all these guys, like, listen, if Makachev doesn't get it, he'll get his title shot. If Oliveira doesn't get it, like, let's just say we're doing an Abu Dhabi and nowhere else. Oliveira should just say, okay, go to Abu Dhabi. I'm, I'm not going. Okay. I'm not going. I don't want to go there. And then he just fights the winner. Like, it's fine. It's fine. Whatever happens with this, we can't get upset. We just can't. It'll all work out. Everyone who who has earned rights to a title shot will all get their chance. They'll all get it. But if Volkanovski gets it first, I don't think anyone's going to be too mad about it. Fab! Make sure you unmute, Fab. Hey, what's going on, Mike? Hey, good morning to you. Good morning, sir. Hey, we met at the uh, Ariel Hawani three-pack meetup at, at the Aria Sportsbook, man. I just wanted to, you know, just say hello, man, and uh, glad to see you made it back safe. Love the uh, conversation going on now, man. 
And just taking a quick left turn. Oh, a quick shout out to Crystal. I saw Energize show in here. My homies, mad love to them. Um, quick question for you, taking a left turn from the Volkanovski chat. Brian Barberina, man, he puts on a great show, showcase, and not just showcase, just great performance against um, Robbie Lawler. What do you think is next for him, man? I, I don't, and I guess him coming, uh, training out of Gastonia, not far from Charlotte, you know. I'm definitely keen and I'm looking out for him. Um, so, yeah, that's my question. Again, man, I know you're in South Carolina too, man, so maybe I'll see you around. Maybe I'll see you at that mouse with our show too, man. All the best. Thanks, man. Yeah, I will be – I will probably be out there. I think Jed – I think Jed Mishu is going to join me out there. Uh, Mazadal's Icon FC is going to be in Savannah, Georgia, August 5th, and that's like 15 minutes from my house. So I think we're going to go out and check that out. Support the regional circuits. I feel like I, I – that's how I made my career, and it's been a while since I've been able to cover a regional show or like a non-UFC, non – Bellator type of show. So I'll, I'll be excited to go and check that out. But yeah, Brian Barberina, great fight with Robbie Lawler. It's everything he expected it to be, everything we all expected it to be. Kind of fell for Robbie at the end. There's one moment where I was just like, oh man, I didn't need to see that. It was just Robbie just on the stool like that, had to be helped down. There's just a, a crazy fight, crazy finish. Good win for Brian Barberina. I think Brian's pretty realistic with where he wants to go. He called out. He didn't really call anybody out. He's just like, I want just bangers. So give me Nico Price. Give me Ponzinibbio. Give me those types of guys. Ponzinibbio seems like a fine fight. I think that makes all the sense in the world. But yeah, just fun scraps. That's all a man's looking for. He's not calling for title fights. not getting too crazy. He's like, I just want to get in crazy brawls. And there are plenty of guys at 170 who can give him crazy brawls. Let's go to rips and picks. So we get rips and picks? What's up, man? How you doing, Mike? Thanks for bringing me on. Um, Of course. course. I just kind of want to throw it out just because we just keep talking about Volk. Everyone just keeps talking about him going up to 55, seeing what's next for that title. Um, I mean, Max Holloway, that guy is 30 years old. Uh, that guy is so young. I can't even believe the things he's accomplished at his age already. We'd just love to hear what you think his next plan is. I mean, do you think he stays at 45? Do you think he goes to 55? What do you think his next move is? Thank you, Ribs and Picks. There's lots of options for both those guys. Lots of options for Volkanovsky. We've laid all those out. Then there's lots for Holloway as well. Holloway could just – Holloway could do any, everything from fighting Justin Gaethje at 155 to just not fighting at all ever again. And all of them are fine. All of them make sense. And all of them would be lucrative. Max Holloway is a star outside of the UFC. Like if Max Holloway retired in three years, he's still going to be a star. He'll be a star in the video gaming world. He'll be a star in other sectors of the world, in, in the entertainment industry. Max is just a very likable guy and he's a professional and he does things very well. And people just love the guy. And I get it. I mean, he just, just brings an energy to the table. Who, who did, which fighter on the UFC 276 card did a better job promoting their fight and making things more interesting. Sean Strickland did a great job, but Max Holloway, in terms of the way people viewed fights and then people changed their picks throughout the week, nobody did that more than Max Holloway. 
Most people coming in thought Volkanovski is just going to win another decision. Max Holloway showed up at media day. Max Holloway showed up at the press conference. He had people changing their picks. He had people changing the way they viewed the fight. Max Holloway actually predicting going, he was going to go out there and finish Volkanovski. Had people changing everything on how they viewed the fight. Max is a showman. Max can make you change my Max evokes emotion. And that's what makes him popular. That's what makes him a star. So Max can do whatever he wants, really. He's 30, but he's like 50 in fighting years. He's just been in some incredible wars. Look at the guys he's fought. Look at the guys he's been in that octagon with. He's been in there with everybody. And he's only 30. So it's just whatever. Honestly, like this seems like such a, such a fancy answer. But he literally could do whatever he wants. He could stay at 45 and just fight new blood. Just fight people that would make him excited. There's lots of up-and-coming guys at 45 that would probably get Holloway excited. He could go fight Josh Emmett. Like if, is, like, if the UFC offered Josh Emmett Max Holloway right now instead of the title shot, you think he'd be that upset about that? Probably not. I think he'd be okay with that. There's lots of ways you can go with this. He can go to 55 and fight Poirier again. He can fight Connor again. I want to see him and Justin Gaethje at some point. Both guys, you could just tell Gaethje doesn't have a lot left in him. Holloway is just... I don't know. I don't know how much Holloway has left in him. It's just for Holloway, it's just about challenging himself. He just wants to fight the toughest guys and give himself a challenge. Like if he's going to keep going, it's going to be something where the juice is worth the squeeze. So just give me Holloway, Justin Gaethje. That's the fight I want to see. I have to see it before both guys ride off into the sunset. Holloway, Gaethje, let's go. Let's go to Julio. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Uh, Good morning. It was cool to have met you at Beer House on Friday. Uh, so just wanted to rec- oh, recognize thanks. that. Uh, so I have mixed emotions about this Adesanya thing going on because was it a dud? Yes. I, I fell asleep watching the fight. But, I mean, what really can you can you blame him for? Only his, what I think is his promotion of, you know, I'm going to show off. I don't care about the record and whatnot. Like, yeah, I get that, but I mean, how many fighters do you know that say that? And I mean, I'm pretty sure Mayweather at one point said he was going to knock people out. And did you really believe that? But <clears throat> I think us as MMA fans are used to, you know, sloppy, non-technical striking. And Adesanya is an elite, sophisticated striker. And sophistication is, you know, not risking being technical, seeing his shots, picking his shots, and not putting himself at risk, essentially. And it just like, you know, it reminds me of Valentina Shevchenko. You know, she knocked Jessica I out, but then all of a sudden she was a knockout artist. And once she won by decision and just picked her opponents apart, she was back to being boring again. It's just, I don't think we're used to having that sophistication in, in our sport that, that you know, you start throwing you know, hate on, on somebody who, who's that much better at a specific discipline. So it just makes me think of that. And <clears throat> even then, if, if people are going to hate on Adesanya, turn against them, it's not going to change anything because you're either going to watch him in saying that he's going to knock people out and so you tune in and then he doesn't start doing it. So now you're just going to watch him 
hopefully lose. And so it doesn't really change anything. You're still going to watch. And the people that say that they're not going to watch are liars. So I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Thanks, man. I mean, that's it. Just you, you, you touched on something that's, that's very important to, to remember here. All the greats, all of them have had non-exciting fights. GSP had a lot of duds, but he won and won dominantly. Uh, Habib's, I mean, the, the, the stretch at the end when he was out there finishing guys, they were had, had a lot, a lot of boring decisions, or at least the he was, they were viewed as boring decisions. They were dominant, but they were viewed as boring decisions. Everyone has had them. John Jones had some Anderson Silva had some, even Valentina Shevchenko's had some, not all that thrilling battles. And you know what I mean? Like it, it happens. It happens. It is so hard. It is so difficult to be a UFC champion, especially a long reigning one, because you have all these expectations you have to hit. You have to try to sell it. You have to deal with an opponent who's probably been preparing for you in one way or, or another for the last several years, even though if they were fighting other people. And then on top of that, they have to bring a certain game plan that you think they're going to bring. And if they don't, all the things that you promise or say you think are going to happen, like just kind of flies out the window. Now, in this case, I think Adesanya expected Canada to bring a much different style to the table, a much more brawling style, try to make the fight a little more dirty. And Cannonier turned it into a kickboxing match, which Adesanya is going to say to himself every time, okay, you want to play that game? I'm not going to say no to it. You're falling right into my, you're just giving me a win. So go ahead. Trying to get the dog. But yeah, so I mean, you can't, like I said, you can't sit here and be like, oh, Adesanya is a boring fighter. You can't do that. No, the correct answer is he needs a foil. He needs somebody who's just going to bring that out of him. And as a challenger trying to fight a guy that got us on you, it's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. You get the lights on you. You could tell on Wednesday at the media day, Cannonier was not comfortable with any of it. He wasn't comfortable with any of it. He was a little nervous in there. The whole thing, having the bright lights on him, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. And you can't just say, nah, I'm not going to go to media day. Nah, I'm not going to go to the press conference. I don't feel like it. You have to do all that stuff. If you're not comfortable, like you have to be able to feed into all of it in some way. And Cannonier hated it. You could tell Wednesday, media day, not happy to be there. Just didn't, it's, it's just not for everybody. And Adesanya loves it, loves all of it. Let's go to Terrence. I want to get a few more of these in before I got to get out of here. Terrence, what's up, buddy? Um, hop back in, Terrence. I don't know what happened there. Let's go to Motivated Andy. What's up, buddy? Yeah, so for me, the whole Izzy thing, it it, it, it was a boring fight. I mean, it is what it is. Every, you, you just said it. Everybody's going to have a boring fight. I think the thing that got solidified, though, is that, to me at least, he's not pound for pound over Volkanovski. After Saturday, the one thing that was solidified 
at least from my viewing experience, was that Volkanovski is pound for pound number one. I think the only critical thing that you can say of Izzy is just that he's just not number one pound for pound. Um, I just find myself because he's so cringe and he does oversell himself a little too much. It's kind of grating, but again, it happens to everybody. Yeah. It was a boring fight. Yeah. I, I did fall asleep during it, but it doesn't matter. He still won. He still got the bank. He's still going to fight Alex Pajeda for a giant bag. It's just in terms of. I, I view it how everybody else views it, and it's just you're just not pound for pound number one. And I think Izzy is just, I don't know. I just don't like a lot of his rhetoric, especially like after the post fight press conference when he was like, Oh, I can do this. You can never do this. I could be a reporter. You could never be a. It's the easiest thing that everybody in America at any point I'm going to be a fighter. I don't know. That just rubbed me the wrong way. Good morning, everybody else. Later, Mike. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. I, I, listen, I, I, I think a lot of that stemmed from like one particular reporter who was in there. I won't name names. And I, I have, honestly have no idea, but Volkanovsky had pointed out this reporter. And I think Adesanya was just sort of piggybacking on top of that. Uh, the whole pound for pound thing, I think even Adesanya would tell you that Volkanovsky is is better pound for pound than he is. He's he took some time during his post fight press conference to just just sing Volkanovski's praises and talk about how great of a performance that was. And Adesanya still, even with that performance, still top five pound for pound. I hate even talking about pound for pound, but like at certain points, you just have to. We we get to points where these conversations need to happen, and I think Alexander Volkanovski, what he did that performance he had against that level of competition. I just, I mean, he is, he's the guy right now. He's the guy. And sometimes it's just, it's just timing that helps settle these arguments and put these questions out for all of us to answer. Right. Cause for a while, Us the big reason Usman jumped up to number one was, yeah, he was winning fights, but he was also active. He was fighting a lot and he was getting finishes. He's doing things like, let's not, let's not forget. Usman beat Usman won a bunch of rematches in this whole stretch. Two wins over Mazadal, two wins over Covington, Gilbert Burns. That's where we're at right now. That's where we're at. And he struggled with Colby. There's still people I talked to who thought Colby won that second fight. Volk doesn't create like it's it's just it's just subjective. And we haven't seen Usman in a while. It's not like Usman's been out for two years, but at, like during that stretch, Volkanovsky's already got two title defenses under his belt. So the activity really counts in these conversations, which is why even if like if Usman goes out there and beats Leon August 20th and does so just anyway, probably sneaks back up there. It's just it's a game of inches. It's like going to the carnival and you're playing the game where you're rolling the ball into the into the holes of the numbers on them. And every time it goes in, the horse moves a little bit up. That's what that's what this pound for pound conversation is like between these. It's a two horse race. It's these two guys, and then of course Adesanya's in there, Francis Ngannou's in there, and there's other fighters in there as well. But right now it's a two horse race. It's Volkanovski and it's Usman and it's nobody else. It's those two guys. Terrence, 
Try this again. All right. Gotcha. Perfect. perfect. How you doing this morning? Good. Good. Um, So, yeah, I wanted to talk about, um, I thought it was hilarious. Like, after you had left from, like, the post-fight show, Jed went on his, like, spew. I wish he was in here. Um, It was hilarious. Like, he was whining about, uh, like, the fight and stuff like that. Pretty much, like, everything. Um, And A.K. Lee and everybody else was given pretty much the same points that you were given. Like, it takes two, and Jared didn't go for it. Um, So, I thought it was funny because he's, like, the betting person, and he had a ticket on Val, and he put all his money on Val, basically. And as a better, you want, like, the easy and the for sure win. And he, like, praises Val, but he was, like, shitting on Izzy. So I thought that was hilarious. <clears throat> so if it was you, would you rather have had Izzy's ticket uh, or would you have read, rather have had um, Val's ticket? The other thing I want to talk about is as far as, like, matchmaking. I thought you guys were going to go live, so I didn't, like, submit my picks. But uh, as far as, like, Macy Barber, um, I don't know if you can match make for Tatiana Suarez, but I think that'll be, like, the matchup to make. One, because I think Tatiana will win. And then, as well, I can see her fighting um, Santos, I believe it's her name, her last name. Um, and then from there, the winner will get Valentina. And then I just want to see Izzy fight Chris Pat because of the fact that he was talking so much shit. And <laughs> I think that Jared should complete his transformation and drop down to 170. I know it's not possible because he's older, but I think it would be hilarious of him going from heavyweight to welterweight and being successful and getting a knockout in all of those um, weight classes. That's all I got for you today, Mike. Thank you very much. Thanks, buddy. So I'm trying to figure out the ticket question. I assume maybe from like a betting perspective, but I'll go. I mean, it, I would have definitely taken the Adesani ticket <laughs> over the Valentina ticket because that the Israel the Israel ticket you didn't sweat at all. Like it may not have been the most thrilling thing to watch, but you didn't sweat for a second. There's not there's not one point. There's not one point in that main event on Saturday where you're like, okay, Cannonier might actually win this fight. There's no point at that that I that I felt that Cannonier was going to win. It was just wow. I, it was just a puzzling strategy. And there are certain points where Cannonier would try to push Adesanya against the cage and maybe go for a takedown, but Adesanya would just avoid. This fight's this fight's done. We know we, we the story's been written. We know it's going to happen. It's done so I was anyone's now with the Shipjago one, we were like, oh my God, could she actually lose this fight? <laughs> Jed went all in. Jed bet every dollar he had on Shevchenko. And that's a sweaty one. I'd be sweating bullets, be freaking out the whole time. So yeah, it's out of Sonya. For Macy. Um I wouldn't throw in there a Tatiana, that's for sure. I'd say I'd say the loser of maybe Lauren Murphy, Misha Tate, something to that effect. Yeah, that's probably where I would go. I'd give Macy Joanne Wood. I think that'd probably be the, the way to go. But Joanne's taking some time off, so um, I mean, if Misha if Misha beats Lauren Murphy, July sixteenth, I think that would, I think Macy Barber, Lauren Murphy would make sense. We'll see how these fights play out. All right, I'm going to take a few more. Viking MMA, Four Corner Sports, Emilio, 
I'm going to take as many as I can in the next 10 minutes. Viking. Hello. Hello, Mike. Hello. What's up? Mm, I just want to ask two, two questions. One is that about weight veins. That So fighter makes weight for the veins to get it into the fight. And then at the day of fight, he weighs more than his actual weight class. If it's that's true, then UFC is a circus and there is no discipline at all. And it's just business like WWE, in my opinion. And there is there is no discipline, if that's true. And the other thing is, I just want to know how Cyril Gaon lost that fight with the new rules against Francis and Gano. And one more thing, whenever... Alexander Volkonovsky finds that elite level grappler opponent, he's going to fall 100%. Thank you very much. Wow, Viking. Viking bringing the heat. Viking with takes galore today. I like it. I like where you're coming from. The way cut it, like the, the, the whole weigh in thing. I, I mean, I don't know if I understand where the. The, the lack of discipline comes from these are just guys who are cutting like an, an incredible amount of weight. So when they show up on fight night, a lot of these guys are like 20 or 30 pounds over. And it's not because they're like undisciplined. It's just, that's just how health and nutrition and body works when you cut all that weight. And then you drink water. Like I guarantee you like Volkanovsky cut made 145 or whatever it was. And I bet two hours later he was 157 because he actually had a meal and drank a bunch of water. So, I mean, that's that's just what happens in these types of situations. Volkanovski, he's been in there with with, with high-level grapplers and jiu-jitsu players. He's been in there with Brian Ortega, and Brian had him in about as much trouble as anybody could put you in, and he still found a way to win and won four rounds of that fight. He's been in there with Chad Mendez, who could wrestle his ass off, and he knocked Chad Mendez out in the second round. Darren Elkins can wrestle. Beat him. Jeremy Kennedy could wrestle. Beat him. He's been in there with guys who could wrestle. Islam's a different story. I get that. He's been in there with guys who could wrestle and grapple. And he's won. He's won all of these fights. He's won 21 fights in a row. 22 fights in a row, excuse me. He's 12-0 and 0 in the UFC. We. This is not Conor McGregor here. This is not, oh, wait till he fights a grappler. Wait till he fights this guy. No, he's fought a ball. He's won 22 in a row. He's 12 and 0 in the UFC. Come on. Now, fighting Islam is a different story. If he beats Islam Akachev, then what are you going to say? There's nothing left you can say. But yeah, I mean, Islam is just, it's, it's a different level of grappler. What, if he beats Islam, you're going to be like, oh, well, if he fought Habib, he wouldn't win that fight. I like where you're coming from, Viking MMA. But he has fought grapplers. He's fought high level grapplers. Chad Mendez is a high level grappler. And he bolted him in less than 10 minutes. Uh, okay. Four quarter sports. What's up, buddy? Mike. Um, so I wanted to talk about the, the co-main event and the main event. So none of us are sure. ever going to, you know, ridicule Max Holloway because he actually tried 
And Volkanovski was just his speed, his timing, his accuracy was just next level. And I mean, we never seen somebody, you know, hurt up uh, Max in that type of way where Max couldn't really have any answers. The thing that like we like we get we're kind of like pissed off about the main event is like yeah we could blame Adesanya but I agree with you, Cannonier like when you're in a title shot like you gotta want it and it just seemed like he was just standing around just trying to you know like you said stand in, in a kickboxing match with uh with Izzy which is a terrible matchup right there and it just seemed like he didn't want it I mean I think I gave him that one round but I mean you could even argue it could have been just fifty forty five for Izzy. Um, and yeah, I just think Cannonier that might be the last time that he gets a title shot, barring you know something crazy. But, um, you guys are talking about Volkanovsky. Um, to be honest, I mean, I, I favor him against like guys like Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, but to be honest, like Oliveira, um, Makachev, even you know, somebody like a Matush Gamrot. Like, I would actually favor them over Volkanovski. And that's not going to say anything about Volkanovski. But um, it'd be very interesting to see what he could do against uh, the guys like Oliveira and Makachev. I I would say he's not going to get 50-45, but I guess he'll give them a, a run for their money. But um, I also want to get your thoughts on the comments that um, uh, Khabib says that they're willing to go to Brazil, Makachev versus Oliveira. And if Oliveira wins, Oliveira says he's going to call out Khabib. Will Khabib actually come out of retirement, you think? Or you think he's going to just stick in retirement? All right. Thanks, Mike. And have a good one. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I I think Gamrot's probably a stretch for Volca, for being honest. But I get where you're coming from. It's Oliveira, the Oliveira Oliveira fight really interests me because Oliveira on this run that he's been on, He's been fighting guys who will just inflict, who will just bring absolute chaos his way. And we've seen Oliveira. And what's what I've enjoyed so much about this Oliveira run was that there was this narrative surrounding him for years that he was a quitter, that when the going got tough, he would fold and throw in the, the proverbial towel. And it turns out that everybody was wrong about that. And somehow, some way, even heading into the Dustin Poirier fight, heading into the Justin Gaethje fight, it was still that narrative there. Oh, Gaethje's going to hurt him, and then he'll quit. And it turns out, like, everybody was wrong. They still say that about Oliveira. He fights these guys who just bring chaos to him, and he thrives in the chaos. And he's done very well in the chaos. He hasn't had, like, a patient tactical fight in a long time. And that's why we've enjoyed these Oliveira fights so much, because he's answered those questions. He's called... He's basically called bullshit on that quitting narrative. And with Volkanovsky, it will be the least chaotic fight he's had in like years. We'll have to see a tactical side of Charles Oliveira, like a very intelligent, smart, tactical Oliveira. And we know that guy is in there somewhere, but we just haven't seen it in so long because we haven't needed to. Because when he fights Chandler and Poirier and Gaethje and all these guys, it's just all in out chaos. And Volkanovsky is just not a chaotic fighter. He's a thinking man's fighter, still exciting in his own way, but turning it into that a mental chess match. Like it's been so long since Oliveira has been in a fight like that. Everything is just like, oh God, it's reaction, reaction, reaction. 
going through the fire. And Volkanovski just brings a different kind of fire, which makes that fight really interesting. The Habib thing, I've, I mean, I think we're all kind of in agreement. If there's anybody at this point that's going to get Habib out of retirement, it's probably Oliveira. But Oliveira is going to win probably like four or five more fights before that could happen. I don't think we're ever going to see Habib again, but if there's anybody that might be able to get him out, it's it's Oliveira. Just if we're talking about about records and things like that, like if he beats Makachev and maybe wins another two more, maybe. But I I just I, I honestly think Habib's done. Like I believe him when he says he's done. There's nothing more he needs to do. He's done everything. He's got money. He's got the big wins. He's he fought Conor McGregor and finished him. Like what else does this guy need to do? His legacy is set. I just don't know what else he needs to do. I don't know if anything can really entice him to come out of retirement, especially for the reason why he retired. But, yeah. And then, again, with the Adesanya thing, takes two to tango. Everybody wants to be the champion, right? When you come into this sport, everybody wants to be the champion. But then you have to realize what being the champion is all about. It's not just about – you don't just fight and put a belt around your waist. You have to deal with the lights. You have to deal with the glitz and glamour. You have to deal with the media. You have to deal with all of that. You can't just fight and be a champion. You have to do everything that comes with being a champion. You are the you become a face of the organization. You represent the company. You represent your weight class. You represent your sport. And on top of that, you have to get you have to convince people to spend their hard-earned money to watch you fight. It's not easy to do. That's why very few people have become massive stars in the sport. It's not easy. And everybody wants to be the champion until it's time to become the champion. And then you realize, damn, there's a lot more to this than I thought there was going to be. And you could tell on Wednesday at the media day that Cannonier was like, wow, this is, uh, this is a lot more than I bargained for. And Adesanya loves it. Throw him at a media day. He's fine. He's fine. And I will say, someone mentioned this earlier, and I will say this again. Like, I, the, the last thing about that press conference, I understand why some people are mad. You can't do my job. None of you can do my job, but I can do yours tomorrow. He probably could have done without that line. I understood where, he, I, I think I understood where he was going with it. But again, Adesanya is just, he's just so good at what he does, but he's not going to take any risks. If you're not going to, if you're not going to put him in a risky situation, he's not going to, he's not going to do anything. He doesn't need to do. You want to have a kickboxing match with him? He's just going to have a kickboxing match. You want to turn to a brawl? He's ready for it, but you have to bring it to him. You have to bring him that. But if you, if you're going to fight his fight, he's not going to veer away from it. And why would you? That's why I don't understand why he's getting so much crap over the performance. Like, he can't take it all. It's not all on him. It's on Cannonier too. It's more on him. It's more on Jared than it is on Izzy. All right, those of you who were requested, we're going to get you all in real quick, but I can't take any more after these five. Emilio, what's up? Yo, what's good, Mike? Heck, heck of a morning to you. Uh, first of all, yes, I want to thank you for doing the Lord's work uh, last week. It was, uh, it was, it's great. I'm personally really, really looking forward to that Henry Cejudo interview. I hope that you, uh, oh, I know, man, that was like the biggest bummer of the week because I didn't get that opportunity. No, don't do that to me. Oh, okay. It didn't happen, man. He was no, he, he was a no show on Saturday at the radio row. He's on the list, but he wasn't there. Oh my God. Well, it, you know what? Sometimes, 
some things are just not meant to be. I think that I'm trying though. I'm trying. I'm trying some behind the scenes stuff to try to make it happen. All right. Well, I I, I wish you all the best with that. Uh, you're you're an animal. You're a relentless animal, and I know that you will get it sooner or later. And <laughs> uh, and I will definitely be there to to tune in. Um. Anyways, uh, I've got three points that I want to talk about. Um, first and foremost, though. And I'm, I, I am really, really, really upset um, about this, and that is just Joe Rogan's comments during the broadcast concerning what happened with uh, with Pedro and and Sean and the eye poke. I mean, this is gonna sound like a stretch, but I think that Joe Rogan is what's is one of the things that is wrong in the modern UFC. Um, as a commentator, he is sometimes incredibly unprofessional, unprofessional, especially you, you can't just go around implying that a fighter like Pedro Munoz, who like everybody has already said, you know, everybody in the MMA fighting, like pretty much everybody in MMA media or a lot of a lot of people who know what they're talking about, know that there's no way in hell that he wanted out. Did the optics of the situation, no pun intended, look a little bit weird? You know, because Pedro basically, like, he knew immediately that his eye was just absolutely effed up. And that even if, even if he got five minutes, that that wouldn't do anything. Sure. It definitely looks a little bit weird. But, my God, I mean, the guy's so out of touch with just reality hey i mean to be fair to him i would also be out of touch with reality if i was just you know scrooge mcduck dipping on a on a pool full of gold coins you know that spotify money but um i think that he's very overrated um yeah you also you want to know a good idea for a drinking game like to get absolutely smashed drink a sip not even a shot drink a sip of your drink every time like just watch a pay-per-view, doesn't matter which one, and drink a sip every time Joe says he's hurt or oh he rocked him or oh whatever. Jesus. Yeah. It's 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 a highway straight straight to the straight to the hospital, pretty much. Um second of all, I think that and I'm I'm surprised that nobody brought it up so far because you know, about the whole Izzy situation. I think what's bothering, what robbed, uh, robbed people the wrong way is not so much that he just went out and won because at the end of the day, wins matter. Um, and that's what builds a legacy. But I think what what robbed people the wrong way, what robbed myself the wrong way is that he went on this tour de force of like, I am going to smash this guy. I'm going to... I'm going to clean the floor with him. I mean, I can't remember exactly what he said, but, uh, you know, he said, like, show, he was going to show up and show off and um, and all these things, and you guys are getting a finish, blah, blah, blah. And then it didn't happen. Um, so, in a way, I, I would I would imagine, Mike, that if, if you got, like, some salesperson knocking on your door and was selling you something whatever you know like 
look at this look at this uh pencil it's gonna write for you you know like it's it, it's got that basic function you're like oh okay so i'm expecting because the salesman told me that this is what's going to happen and i and i want to trust him okay and you also take a look at izzy's record i mean he's had highlight reel finishes before um, therefore, there's evidence that he is capable of that. Therefore, your pencil is gonna is gonna write. It's gonna work. And then you sit down, and as Jed Mashu likes to say, you decide to write a book because you're not watching, <laughs> I don't know, PFL or Bellator or whatever. And um, and then you want to try and writing with your pen, and it turns out that it doesn't write. You get you get understandably upset. So. I just wanted to put that argument out there. It's not so much that he just did what he had to do. It's the way that he went about it and that he promised that he was going to clean house. I am I'm also going to admit Cannoneer is definitely to blame. I mean, come on, like that's probably your one and only shot that that he has left in the tank for for the rest of his career. Kind of sad that he couldn't really, you know, push himself to get knocked out. I mean, Get, get knocked out or knock Izzy out, you know what I mean? And finally, um, uh, and this is a, a proper question, uh, what was, for you, the mo- <laughs> uh, what was the most cringe-inducing moment of the week? Um, I, so I got two options. It's either Izzy saying the frozen line twice, not once, twice, or uh, or Leon trying to grab Kamaru's belt at the press conference and then just kind of grabbing his hand. Um, yeah, that's it, Mike. Thank you so much for everything you, that you do and that you did last week. Um, looking forward to the other interviews that will hopefully be released soon. Um, also, don't don't uh, trying to get too disappointed about the Henry thing. Uh, we'll live to fight another day. You're gonna get that that little guy. At some point. Um, and that's it. I wish you a heck of a morning. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen, I understand where a lot of you are coming from. The Izzy thing, here's what I'll say. One, buyer beware. I think that's like a rule in life. Buyer beware. Two, if it's a pencil you're looking for and Adesanya is selling you this pencil... Like, you still have to sharpen the pencil before it can write. And the sharpening of the pencil is Jared Cannonier. Someone has to go to the pencil sharpener and actually put the pencil in the sharpener. And the, sh- like, then it has to work. Otherwise, like, if you don't plug in the pencil sharpener, you can't sharpen the pencil. I mean, there's manual ones, but who wants to do that? You want to hear the sound, you want to hear the electricity. So, you need everything has to work in sync for all of it to work. You have to sharpen the pencil before it can write. So if you buy a pencil and it's supposed to write by itself, you don't sharpen it, then it ain't going to do anything. And that's the problem. And that's the whole can. Like, honestly, I've said this before. I don't blame Canon Air for this because it's hard. It's not easy. Everybody wants to be the champion until it's time to become the champion. And then you realize what it is like to be a champion. And some people love that. Some people are just like, this sucks. This is not what I thought it was going to be. It's like when you go on, it's it just... It's it's a, it's just not for everybody. That's why there's so few champions in the sport. It's not for everyone, and there's a lot that comes with it. Some people are great at it and want to be it, and some just realize on fight week this sucks, and I don't want to be the champion. Most cringeworthy thing of the week. 
I mean, it probably is the Elsa line, but I'm not. I did the doubling down the Elsa line was probably bad. I will let me just say this, okay? Let me just say this about Henry Cejudo. I actually think he did something right this week, and I don't say that very often. Because, and I'm not talking about the whole Aljo thing, because we all know how phony baloney all that stuff is. Because Aljo's in on it as well, and I think Aljo's kind of brainwashed by the whole situation. But Henry Cejudo calling out Sean O'Malley and doing it the way that he did, and actually calling for a fight with somebody, like to actually fight, that was great. That was great. That I like that idea. And if I'm Sean O'Malley, I am going, I'm not doing the rematch with Pedro. I'm fighting Henry Cejudo. That's exactly what you should be doing. Because if you fight Henry Cejudo and you win, that's massive. It's gigantic. And you win at at worst, you're one win away from fighting for the title. And if you lose to Henry Cejudo, it's fine. This is a two-division champion. This is an Olympic gold medalist. This is one of the best combat sports athletes ever. And I'm still kind of relatively new in this sport. I'm a young man. It's a win-win for O'Malley. That's If I'm O'Malley, I am campaigning for that fight. 100%. But actually, that's a Huda did something right there. Maybe the timing wasn't great, but I, I preferred that way more than the Volkanovsky thing at the end. 100%. So good on Henry Cejudo. And if I'm Sean O'Malley, I'm taking that fight. All right. Semi-casual MMA, you are up. I'm going to take you, Kalecki, Kefe, and Jay. Okay? Because you guys are waiting. And then I got to get out of here. All right. Semi-casual. It's not working for some reason. Try again. Kalecki, let's get you in here. Kalecki, are you there? Make sure you're on mute. There we go. All right. All right. Yep, I got you. All right. Um, good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's doing well. Mike, God bless you for the work you do. I just want to be clear on something. You've been touched on, but let's be honest. If somebody has the belt and you're challenging, you need to go for it. You don't stand in the ring waiting for something to happen. That's literally what yep. Jared did. I was a fan of Jared all the way up to this fight. This, As far as I'm concerned, most disappointing fight ever for Jared. Because he had ice in his knees and ice in his ankles. He could not move. For whatever reason, whatever it was, he couldn't shake it off. So for those who are angry at Izzy, I'll tell you, go watch a whole bunch of video on GSP and see how you feel after that. Um, Sean and Pedro, I do get what you're talking about with him fighting Henry, but I think they should run it back. This uh, Nobody wants their fight to end that way. So... Whether he does it after fighting Henry or before Henry, they, they really need to get that fight back. I was really excited to see how that would um, pan out. Um, Volkanovski, pound-for-pound conversation is kind of weird. I'm not exactly sure where to put that. Let's be honest. His last fight against, um, against Max was razor thin. It, it doesn't matter who you, who you believe won. It, was razor, it wasn't like he just completely smashed Max in that fight now. This weekend, he did, but the one before that, not quite. So um, I think the bigger question would be really what, who would Max fight that would be worth his time? No matter how many up-and-comers that we have in 145, would it be worth Max's time, though? I don't know. Uh, I have a request. 
if we could stop Uriah Hall from ever entering the octagon, I'd be one of the happiest fight fans in the world. He, nobody wants to talk about it, but I'm gonna call it out. He needs to stay out of the octagon. Octagon. And yeah, just there. He needs to stop fighting. He's the biggest waste of potential I've seen in combat sports. I know we're short on time, so I'm going to kind of pin things right there. God bless you, and hope everybody has a great week. Yeah, I'm with you on the Cannoneer thing. He deserves the lion's share of the blame here. But I also understand why people are like, I have to spend 75 bucks to watch Israel Adesanya fight. This is the fight we got. I get, listen, I get it. It's not cheap to be an MMA fan. It's tough, especially this stretch right now, because you're asking fans who want to watch everything to spend $225 to watch three pay-per-views in a two-month span. So I get where you, I get it. And then you're looking at these next two pay-per-views. They're not tremendous. Like, this is, this is the one. Like, if you if you looked at, this card, 277 to 278, and you're like, I have budgeted my money a certain way where I can buy one of these cards, and you chose Saturday's card, and that's how it ended? I, listen, I get it. I get it. But to come out and blame Adesanya solely for that is just wrong, and it's just not true. And I get and I'll say this again. I don't blame Cannoneer. Everybody wants to be the champion until it's time to become the champion, and you realize what being a champion is all about. If it was as easy as just getting in there fighting and then maybe the belts around your waist, maybe it's not, that's one thing. And I think Cannonier, if he just showed up Saturday and fought without doing any of the other stuff, maybe we're looking at a different fight on Saturday. But I think Cannonier got thrown into the fire, media day, press conference, all that stuff, being in the spotlight, and I don't think he liked it. I don't think he liked it at all. I'm not saying that the fight's totally different if that doesn't happen, but I think... When you get a glimpse of what being a champion is all about, it can mess with you a little bit. So while I will say this, I we're going to, you don't blame just Adesanya. I think Canada deserves the lion's share of the blame, but I also understand that as non-fighters, it's hard to, to do that, but it is sports. So, I mean, listen, I'm all over the place here, but that's what I mean by that. The Pedro thing with O'Malley. I mean, sure. If, if you're Pedro, you want that one back. But if they don't do that, fine as well. There's other fights for Pedro. There's other fun up-and-coming 135ers that he could fight. There's other matchups. You could do a rematch with Rob Font. You could still fight. You could fight Adrian Giannis. There's still fun fights you could do at 135. You want to get that one back if you can get it, great. But if the UFC just moves away from this altogether, I I could see them just moving away from it. And if you're Sean O'Malley, if you're Sean O'Malley, if you fight Pedro, cool. But if I'm him, I'm pushing for the Cejudo fight. For sure. All right, let's get these last three in real quick. Semi-casual, KFAJ. Semi-casual, go. Hey, Mike, real quick. Uh, Ricky Tercio's fighting this week. Where do you see his ceiling in the sport? Thank you. Ricky's a good fighter, man. And he's got he's one hell of a personality. Ceiling-wise, I don't know. I think it's too soon, too early to answer that question, but... I'm excited to see him fight. Kefe. Kefe. Yo, heck of a morning, heck of a week. Thank you for all you did. Yo. Uh, my question is more of a pick. Uh, I think it's going to be Connor Oliveira, and I think that if Volkanovski moves up, he's going to have to fight Makachev. 
Happy birthday, AK. Yeah, it just depends on what we're gonna do this title fight. It's all, it's all, it's all timing here. For Oliveira to get the Connor fight, I think he's gonna have to fight. I think he's gonna have to fight Makachev in October. I think that's how the UFC is gonna really try to sell this fight to him. He's gonna be like, "No, I want Connor," and the UFC is gonna sort of say, "No," and then their compromise will be, "Listen." If you fight Makachev and win, I guarantee your next fight is Connor. They put that in writing somehow. I think that's the best chance we get that fight in October. But again, if I'm Oliveira, I'm not going to Abu Dhabi. Not not to fight Islam Makachev. That's for damn sure. I'll wait. I'll wait and fight for the title. All right, Jay, take us home. Good morning, man. Yep. Uh, two quick things. Uh, first. Uh, I'm pretty sure you know, but Josh Emmett had like a really bad experience at UFC 276, and uh, he was like really disappointed and frustrated by it. And Uriah Faber came out and saying that he was also disappointed that he's going to talk to Dana White and Hunter Campbell about it. But do you think the UFC honestly really cares if they complain about it? Because every fighter wants special treatment when they go to an event. And so I think doing this is probably going to make them less likely to give Emmett that title shot by just annoying them about this. And the second thing is. Kind maybe might be a hot take, but I honestly think Cater versus Emmett top to bottom was a better card than 276. If I knew like the outcomes be- between both the cards, I would definitely rather spend my $75 on Cater versus Emmett. So thanks, Mike, and thanks for all the coverage you were doing this week, and have a good morning, man. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, the Emmett thing is interesting. I just feel like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of get where Faber's coming. Like, Fab, this, this is what Faber should be saying in this position. Being the coach slash co-manager slash friends, teammate, etc. Like, if you're your eye Faber and you don't tell the story and say what you're saying, you're not doing your job correctly. So I get it. Listening to the story and how this all plays out, I think... I don't know. I don't even know if I want to comment, but I'll just say like my initial thoughts were, and I don't know if this is how I'm going to land, but my initial thoughts are, I think expectations were a little too high, a little too high. You know what I mean? Like Pajeda main event, right? Main event. We see Alex Pajeda sitting cage side, watching the main event between Israel Adesanya and Jared Kennedy. We know why, Right. 100%. 100%. After Alex Pajeda knocked out Sean Strickland, there were no other options. This is the guy. This guy's fighting for the title unequivocally. There's nothing that's going to get in the way of this fight happening. Barring injury or something crazy, there is nothing that is going to stop this fight from happening. The Josh Emmett situation, Josh is in the conversation, but no one is going to come out and say, I'm going to bet $1,000 that Josh Emmett's going to fight for the title next. No one's saying that because no one is con- no one is convinced outside of Emmett and his team that he's getting the title fight. Now, did they invite Josh Emmett out to Las Vegas to, to take part in International Fight Week and go watch the, the fights? Sure. But I just – I don't see a world where the UFC is like, Josh, hey – Welcome to Las Vegas. You're going to sit cage side for this featherweight title fight. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? 
Now, sending Josh Emmett up to the to the balcony to watch the card is a little strange. I, I don't know, but I, I just Emmett. Very few people came into Saturday saying like the winner of this fight's definitely fighting Josh Emmett for the title. Like Josh Emmett is definitely next in line. No one's saying that. Like it's. I'm curious, like how the conversations went, but I'm not like. I don't know. To me, it just sounded like the UFC told Josh, like, and I'd love to talk to Josh about this, but it just seems to me like they were like, yeah, Josh, come out, come out, watch the fights. And in his mind, it's, oh yeah, I'm sitting cage side to watch the main event and I'm going to be on the broadcast. Maybe I'll do commentary with, with, with Joe Rogan and DC. When in reality, it's just like, hey, come watch the fights. I don't know. I have to learn more about it, but to me, it just seems like expectations were a little unrealistic. At least this is just initial thought. And I'm going to just say, I don't know what the conversations were like. I don't know what happened. But it's there's a difference between Alex Pajeda sitting cage side for the main event and Josh Emmett not sitting cage side for the featherweight title fight. Because Josh may have beat Calvin Cater, but at the same token, no one... There are some people who think that Josh should get the title shot, but it's not overwhelmingly unanimous that he should be the guy. So... I don't know. I'd have to talk to like both sides to get the actual answer, but to me, it just sounds like expectations were a little bit unrealistic for that whole thing. But either way, seems like Josh has done a little bit dirty, and I feel bad for the man. But it just seems like I don't know. Just seems like him sitting cage side watching that fight when that puzzle still has pieces to be put in there, especially when there's a big fight coming up in less than two weeks from right now. And I've, I'm still convinced that if Yair Rodriguez beats Brian Ortega, Yair's getting the title fight if Volkanovski doesn't go to 155. Yair's the front, Yair jumps to the front of the line. Because we haven't seen that fight. People love Yair. I'm not saying people don't love Josh, but Yair's like must-watch TV in a lot of people's eyes. You know what I'm saying? And I'll feel, I don't feel like Josh has that same sort of feel to him that Yair does. I, I think Yair, if Yair wins, he's getting the title shot, and it won't be Josh. But I could be wrong. We'll see what happens. But all right, I got to get out of here. I went, golly, like 45 minutes longer than I thought I was going to go. I'll be back on Thursday, everybody. We'll do this again. We'll have some fun. BTL will be back on Thursday as well. I'm going to take the rest of the day off. I'm going to take tomorrow off as well and just kind of like relax and get my mind right again after such a crazy week in Las Vegas. I see uh, my man C.C. Legaspi in here. Great meeting you in person, my man. It's a good time just catching up with other media members and just chopping it up. A lot of people I've never met in person, which is really cool. But all right, folks, I'm getting out of here. Enjoy the rest of your day. Back on Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern, right here on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces. Until then, have a great rest of the day and have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. 